Ever wondered what unicorns eat for breakfast? Okay, so I don't actually know. But I do know that 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot. And for good reason. HubSpot's all-on-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support. Plus, they have a huge collection of resources to help startups scale. And with the HubSpot for Startups program, you could save big off your first year. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot, visit HubSpot.com startups. What's going on, everyone? It's Friday, October 7th. I'm Zachary Crockett. I'm here with Juliet Bennett-Ryla, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, a new trend is rolling out on college campuses around the U.S. Universities are doing something called course sharing. Basically, they're teaming up with each other to offer some of the same classes at different campuses. Juliet's going to fill us in on the implications of this and some of the technology behind it. But before we get into that, let's take a quick look at what else is going on in business and tech today. Peloton CEO Barry McCarthy is cutting 500 more jobs in a bid to turn the company around. That places the employee headcount at 3,800, and that's just half of what it was last year. McCarthy says he's going to give it six months to see if Peloton is viable as a standalone company. The Missoula-based OnX, which builds outdoor adventure apps, raised $87.4 million, and that's reportedly the biggest VC investment in Montana history. Speaking of raising capital, In the third quarter of 2022, VC funding totaled $81 billion. That's down 52% year-over-year and 33% quarter-over-quarter. Not good times for companies trying to raise that VC capital. But one company that's not hurting is TikTok parent ByteDance. It saw a 2021 revenue jump of 80% to $61.7 billion. Though the company is bleeding a little bit of money to fund growth. So we'll keep an eye on that. And lastly, we've all heard of the Musk Twitter drama at this point. He agreed to buy the company at $54.20 a share. He backed out. He got taken to court. And now he's back in. Well, in the midst of all this, Twitter released better fact-checking, multimedia tweets, and for a fee, an edit button. So keep an eye out for more updates there. All right, Juliet, let's talk course sharing. What's the scoop here? So essentially, yes, we've got big universities and we've got small colleges teaming up. Hmm. Some of the big universities are Harvard, Duke, Yale, They're teaming up with smaller colleges to offer some of the same classes online to students at both schools. Hmm. And it's already common for smaller liberal arts schools, but it is increasing among other types of schools, including community colleges, rural schools, HBCUs, schools that cater to Hispanic students. And this is all coming from the New York Times that did a really great article on how and why this is all happening. So set the backdrop up for us just a little bit here. What are the bigger factors at play that are driving this decision? People are just going to school differently than they used to. When I was getting ready to go to school, I had a lot of people say, and I'm sure you've heard this too, it doesn't matter what you get a degree in. As long as you have a degree, you'll find a job and blah, blah, blah. Sure. And then, of course, I graduated into a recession and surprise, there were no jobs. And then all of a sudden it was, well, you should have learned to code. Yep. yep. (laughs) Um, I've lost count of how many PhDs or Starbucks baristas now. (laughs) So now we've got this new crop of students and, you know, maybe they would like to major in English or philosophy or something of the sort, but they're worried about huge student loan debt, not being able to get a well-paying job upon graduation Mm. and having people tell them they should have majored in computer science. 
So that's what they're doing. They're looking for courses or certifications that would land them a well-paying job, Mm -hmm. stuff like cybersecurity or supply chains or public health, things like that. And what's happening is college enrollment is sort of decreasing because people are worried about student loans. They go to job skills, tech centers instead. Mm -hmm. And especially at smaller liberal arts colleges, you know, they don't have these kind of programs, you know, like computer science or cybersecurity that people know will get them jobs. So even if they want to go there, they feel like they can't. Mm -hmm. And so I think humanities degrees over the last decade are down 14% because people just aren't willing to take the risk. They'll major in something they love and then not be able to get a job and then have a bunch of student loans that plague them for the rest of their lives, essentially. Sure. And one of the reasons liberal arts colleges don't have some of these programs is extremely expensive to launch a program like a computer science program or a cybersecurity program. It's like millions of dollars. Yeah, right? it can cost up to over $2 million. Yeah. yeah. And then you got to hire someone and then you, and if people don't take the course, then you got to drop the course. And then it's, it's just like a whole thing. Mm-hmm. But these big universities, they already have these programs. And oftentimes they're not full. They have spaces left that they could potentially sell those spaces if they had the students to fill mm. them. Okay. So this partnership is kind of a three-pronged situation. You've got the big university that has the course and the program ready to go. You've got the smaller college that needs that program to recruit students Hmm. that want that program but can't afford and don't have the resources to put it together themselves. And then you've got a third thing, which is this new crop of course sharing tech platforms that basically facilitate all of this. One of them is Acadium, I believe is how you say it. It has a network of over 400 schools And they take care of a lot of the infrastructure and the smaller details like payments and tracking grades and student has an issue, who do they talk to? Sure. So you've got these three things going on. They all take a cut of the price of the course. They're all making a little bit of money. And for the little school, so that liberal arts college we're talking about, the big thing for them is enrollment. Enrollment is flagging, but now they're getting the students, they're keeping the students, they're not seeing people leave to go to these big schools because they feel like they have no other choice. And then, of course, with all the other classes that they're taking, tuition fees, room, board, et cetera, they're retaining that money. The New York Times talked about a school in Michigan, Adrian, it's a small liberal arts school. Hmm. They have added 17 programs over the last two years. And by their calculations, that's about 100 students that those programs have lured. People who would otherwise have chosen to go somewhere else because they didn't feel like they would get the education they needed. And what's the economic impact there? $8 million. So basically over the course of four years, they're going to make $8 million off of those students, assuming all of the students finish there. Jeez. Okay. And so what does this look like in practice? Like, let's say I'm at a small Arars college. Uh, I want to take a computer science class. A bigger college across the country will have vacancy. Maybe they'll have, you know, an extra 50 seats in their lecture hall or whatever. Mm -hmm. Do I tune in via like a video broadcast? Yeah, you're going to take the class online, which I think is another thing that's kind of happening. It's a great time for it to be happening now because I know even myself and a lot of other people I know, at first it felt like, I don't want to take a class online. I want to be there. I want to have the experience. But now we've gotten so cozy and comfortable with online learning and online everything due to the pandemic that people are used to it and they're willing to take these classes online. So yeah, it'll just be Mm. on some sort of video platform. I'm taking an online class right now in Microsoft Teams and we have a chat and I have two physical books, but Everything we do is online. Hmm. I mean, this is obviously a bigger discussion, but, you know, just remote learning. I'm interested in the efficacy of remote learning. I wonder Mm -hmm. if the value of taking a remote or video class is the same as being there in person or what you really gain or lose by doing one or the other. Yeah, I wonder that as well. Like, have you found that taking this online course, do you feel like you're absorbing information in the same way you would in person? It's really hard to say. And I've, I've been thinking about that a lot. I mean, I know... 
that for younger children, being in online school was not great. They were very Mm -hmm. easily distracted. They felt like they didn't have the same social connections. I figured, you know, I'm an adult and I know how to pay attention and I can make myself pay attention. So it'll be (laughs) easy for me, right? But I will say that I'm, I'm not loving the online experience. And I don't think that it's because it's online. I just think it's kind of the nature of the course. It's a language course. And so there's a lot of lag when it comes to correcting pronunciation. Hmm. Like that is very difficult to do over Zoom. I'm just not a huge fan of this course for other reasons that have nothing to do with it being online. (laughs) But I have found myself like when I am trying to talk in that language or just see if I can put together whole sentences in that language is that I am not only surfacing stuff that I knew before Mm -hmm. that I had learned in high school and forgotten, but like I am reinforcing a lot of the rules that are coming up again in this class. Mm. I also think it helps that like you can combine this with Duolingo if you want, like there are multiple avenues where you can reinforce learning. Sure. I would say that the class is helpful and the problems I have with it are one, leg, and that is only because it's a language course where people are correcting pronunciation and B, things I don't like that have nothing to do with it being online. Yeah. Latency is a good point. And, you know, all of these issues with remote learning are just going to amplify, you know, this course sharing trend is part of an even larger trend that we've talked about in our email and on the podcast before of higher education merging. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of mergers happening with college campuses. Big colleges are buying out smaller colleges and merging. There were 95 college mergers just in the past four years. That's 21% more than in the previous 18 years combined. Mm -hmm. So a lot of interesting kind of consolidation going on in higher education right now. I've been pondering this all morning. And on the one hand, I'm (laughs) like, oh, well, like I had to go to a smaller university. Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't have chosen to go there if my parents didn't want me to go there and if it wasn't so close. And then I think, okay, well, maybe, yeah, it would be nice that you can go to like a smaller university, somewhere closer to home, somewhere that you can afford. You can still get the on-campus experience, which is fun for a lot of people and you can still make new friends, but you don't have to forego taking the kind of classes that you want to take. And you also don't have to pay for like relocating to a new city. Mm. Like that definitely seems very valuable. But at the same time, it's also just kind of sad that a lot of people are choosing not to go to college or making alternative choices, not because they want to, but because of the way in which a degree just costs a lot of money and doesn't really guarantee that you won't be saddled with that for the rest of your life. So... (laughs) There's a lot going on. Yeah. With these college mergers, too, it's, it's kind of interesting to think about. You kind of pay a premium for small liberal arts schools in some cases. You know, you go mm-hmm. to a small school of a thousand students or whatever, and you have a class size of six to one or something. And then, like, you're going to take a remote course at, like, Texas A&M, a school that has 75,000 students. Just seems kind of bizarre. Yeah. And it seems like you'd have to be really into the subject matter. Like you would have to do a lot of your own work and your own due diligence. And some of these programs I think are, it's not the same as getting a four-year degree in, I don't know, English literature. It's like a certification so that you can say, well, I have my bachelor's, but I'm also certified in this other very important thing that will get me a job. So maybe you're not taking that many of these classes and you're still getting that hands-on experience elsewhere, but I think it will require students to be very disciplined. Right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning into The Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today was Robert Hartwig. and Our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. If you're not subscribed, you can go ahead and get yourself signed up at thehustle.co slash email. That's thehustle.co slash email. Have a great day and we'll catch you all next week.